going to start tonight at Tshuva of the Chavas Yar, Rav Yar Chaim Bacharach, in the 17th century in Germany. This is a longtime favorite Tshuva of mine. The, the question will become pretty clear from the Tshuva itself. The question basically is about, is it permitted to bribe non-Jews, non-Jewish, non-Jewish courts, judges? The, he begins by, by expressing the question. He says, Scoundrels, villains, Jewish villains, scoundrels, Jewish lowlifes of various sorts. When they have a court case before a non-Jewish judge, against somebody else, and no sin, they either actually pay bribes or they they promise and they promise bribes. Listen, Lashochad, Naslem Gomer. They treat this as take for granted. It's mutter. Add to the extent, not just do they do it. They then go and they brag about it to their friends. I gave the guy so much today to win my case. They, they, they treat it as a cost of doing business. They, they're open about it. They're, they're candid about it. They don't think there's anything wrong with it. Shachat is a very curious history. He's going to deal with this a lot more in the, in the course of his tshuva. The prohibition of Shachat in the Torah is v'shochat lo sikach. You shall not accept a bribe. There was no prohibition on the giver. The giver does violate Lufniver Lesitemechel, just as if you give anything trafe to somebody else and he eats it, you get Lufniver. But but uh, the primary prohibition of Shachat is on the judge who accepts it, and the secondary prohibition of Lufniver is on the litigant who pays it. So Lachar, he says, his opening position is that the non Jewish judge who accepts the bribe, B'nai Noach, Mutar, and Aladin, we know one of the seven Noachite laws is Dinim, that they have to, which the Chavas Yar seems to be understanding to mean they have to have legitimate, uh, a legitimate judicial procedure with integrity. And if they have the prohibition of Shochad, then you, as the payer, have the prohibition of Lefnever. Lefnever applies even if you cause a non-Jew to sin. A non-Jew doesn't, doesn't have most of our mitzvahs, but if you give him something that violates one of his mitzvahs, if you give an Avram Nachai, the Gemara says, to a Ben Noach, then you violate Lefnever. So, forget Shochat for a minute. If you uh, if you cause him to if you cause him to violate the din, there's a disagreement about what the, what 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 dina means. But whether the mitzvah is to appoint judges, to enforce justice, and so on. The whole story about Shem we're going to get to soon about whether the people of Shem were guilty for not enforcing justice or other ways to understand. But definitely, the Chavos says corrupt judging corruptly. It's certainly a violation of the mitzvah of dinim. So how are you allowed to give the shochad the minigas to do it, he says. But, although, again, he condemns the people who do it as Rishi Hadar, Kali Das, Pochazim. You know, sometimes you want to justify a minig, you say the minig is done by Gedolim, by serious people. Here he starts by saying the minig is by scoundrels. I don't know why he feels he has to justify it, but uh, nevertheless, he's going to analyze whether there's any justification for paying bribes to a non-Jewish judge, and the rest of the truth is going to be about that question. I remember I was once discussing this over breakfast, I think, one morning in Lakewood, and one of uh, another young man who was there, son of one of the Rosh Yeshiva, looked at me and said, like, really? Like, like, like you're allowed to bribe? Like, if a cop stops me, I can offer him a $100 bill? I said, bad idea. Do not do that, I said. You'll be in much worse trouble than you were before. So whatever, whatever the halacha is, it's a really bad idea, most, in, most con- in the context that you're thinking of doing it. So whether this is practical or, again, chil Hashem issues, obviously, is another question, but we're discussing, obviously, the principle of the thing.
into why it's strangely one side, one one half and not the other. One half. Like, like why Shochet is only on, only on the recipient and not the. He's other. going to touch on that. Yes, okay. I don't know if his answer will be fully satisfactory, but he's going to touch on that. He's going to raise that question as, as in the course of his analysis. Yes. He begins as follows. He says, "Davrzeh Shal Haduchas Hagadol." The, the great duke, he's going to name him soon. But the, the great duke, he says, a slightly different uh, context to my brother-in-law. He says, Gisi Harav Manach, Rav Itzik Brillin, Av based in Ram de Manheim. Mr. Brillin, I want to try to find anything about him. I don't know too much about him. He, we have some records of him. He wasn't a very well-known figure, at least not today. We don't know much about him. Medina's faults. Bashar HaYilufnim, Av based in something of Himmelberg. And he gives the whole family background. Kasher Nasesh from Gerush Klali, when they had a general expulsion of the Jews, Nas Tuflam and Aleph, that would have been about 1671. He came to Worms. This Kabbalah Av based in Mannheim and Medina Hanal. So he was at this point in his career, you know, subsequent to the expulsion, he was the Av based in, in Mannheim and in Faltz. The Duke Karl Ludwig, who he describes as Muflug Bechachma, who was extraordinarily wise used to enjoy schmoozing, conversing with this uh, Rav Itzik. So I try to figure out who Karl Ludwig was. I don't know my European history that well, but apparently, there are, as you can might imagine, there are lots and lots of German aristocrats who were named Karl Ludwig. It was a popular name. And uh, according to the time frame and what I was able to guess about the location and the context, it would have been Charles Lewis, Karl Ludwig, uh, was one of them. It doesn't mean much to me, but he, was, he has a Wikipedia page. So this Duke, Karl Ludwig, was friendly with Rav Itzik, and this, this, this Karl Ludwig would be Mishtashel, Prakim, Begisi, Aniskar, Bedvarim, Sichli, and they used to enjoy schmoozing about you know, matters of common interest, intellectual matters. Uh, they, used to, they, 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 used to, uh, they used to enjoy each other's company, at least the Duke enjoyed the Rabbi's company. It doesn't say whether the Rabbi reciprocated the, the good fellowship. So Pam Echad, one conversation they had was as follows. Amrlo Aduchis, Kovalani Lachal Balabatim Asherim Shaltchal Lishmasim Lataknam. You, Rabbi, he says, you're the you're the you're the chief rabbi in this region. He says, you have the moral responsibility to tend to your flock, to uh, to, you know, to 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 ensure their spiritual well-being. He says, Balechel Halchicha Mulasiram. I think you're, you're you're delinquent. He says, you have to reprove them and you have to give them musr. He says. The, the, on, on their egregious behavior. What are they doing wrong? Alamachlokas. First of all, they quarrel. They're, they're, they're constantly quarreling. They're always ending up in my court, so they're clogging up my system. <laughs> he says, It's bad enough that they're a bunch of... Uh, well, they can't get along. They're constantly fighting. He says, they're sinning and so on. They're corrupting my judges. They're corrupting my justice system. They're bribing my judges. It's against all religion. Forget Christianity, Judaism. This guy was a Christian, I guess. He said, this is clearly against all religion. It says in your Bible, the Jewish Bible, it says bribery is prohibited. So... The I can't imagine what you could possibly be thinking, what defense that you could possibly have for not taking care of this. Rock, my only possible defense I can think of, he says, obviously bribery by its nature, even though the Chavis said these guys brag about it at the bars, but at the end of the day, they, 
you know, they, they don't, you know, file affidavits, and, and they, they, the people are not filing the bribery on their taxes, so we, we don't have clear and documented evidence of this. Ain't a goal if you do a Rockley Daniel Doris, only those who know what's really going on know about it. I know that you know exactly what's going on. Between you and me, you know, we're, you know we, we can be candid with each other. You know exactly what's going on here. So the Duke told Ravitzik, this is not acceptable. Your people are out of control. Your people are, are quarrelsome and corrupt, and they're, kind of, and they're corrupting my whole judicial system. Fine. That was the, the, the opening salvo of the Duke. So the Haitian... What? Protestant or Catholic? Yeah, very interesting. Uh, good question. I suspect the Elector of Paladin is, uh, is, is, is a Lutheran. But Lutheran. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't check. Uh, I'm sure. it, would have, it would have interesting social nafkaminas in terms of respect for rule of law and bribery. Right. 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 I, I, I can imagine the, the, certain Germans would actually take offense to it. <laughs> right. I, I remember reading how the Supreme Court has a lot of Catholics and Jews, not as many Protestants. People have tried to analyze. Uh, you, like, usually we think of Protestants as being kind of you know, the, behind the whole you know, modern enlightenment and the rule of law and so on. But uh, the Catholics, but on the other hand, right, people have tried to figure out why the, the Supreme Court is full of Catholics. Yes, I don't really know. Good question. <laughs> Yes, I'm not sure. You have to look. I'm not even sure I have the right guy, but if it is, you have to check what, what exactly what denomination he was. The Heshiv Gisi. So Ravitzik tried to defend himself, defend the Jews to the Duke. He said, first he conceded the basic point. He says, Vadnai, Hadavar. Now it's difficult to know, Chavasir is going to allude to this later, it's difficult to know how much of what Ravitzik said he meant straight up and how much was just apologetics to try to uh, defend himself to the Duke. But he says, Ravitzik told the Duke, you're right. It's terrible. It's, uh, it's, it's a terrible problem. Now, I, I'm, I, those who do it are, you know, are, are scoundrels. They're not upstanding citizens. Mikoma comes, why don't I stop them? You know, why don't I put it, I'm the rabbi, and the rabbis used to have power. He says, so why don't I uh, put a stop to this? I, I don't have, I don't know exactly who it is. Yeah, people gossip about it, but I, I don't have names and dates, and I don't have facts in front of me, so I can know who to put. Lancho, Liastro, the rabbis had power. Like you yourself said, these are things that happen uh, uh, you know, surreptitiously, and I just don't know. I, I, don't have, I don't have the evidence. I don't have the, I don't have the proof that I need. Uh, this fellow was really clever. He told the Duke, why don't I just you know, speak about it in shul? Why don't I rail from the pulpit about how terrible this is? He says, it's <laughs> a clever fellow. He says, I wouldn't want to uh, libel your judges. I wouldn't want to slander the judges by saying they're taking bribes. I don't, if I don't have facts, I can't get, out, get, out, get up in public and say slanderous things about, the, about your excellent judges. He says, I'm not going to defend them. I'm not, I'm not going to justify this practice. Because, moreover, he says, there's an idea of natural law here. He says, forget the halacha for a minute. Even if, even if the Torah would not declare such an iser and say that would not say it's aser. Our own logic, our own moral intuition should tell us that this is, this is unacceptable. The Yishev it's, you, know, you, can't, you can't run society like that. A society that's corrupt is, 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 not, is, is, not, is, is not effective, is not, is, is not uh, tolerable. Tikkun Medina, 
Kamo, like other mitzvahs in the Torah that fall into this category, that even if the Torah didn't prohibit them, we on our own, in a sense of natural law. There's been a whole renaissance of this in recent years. People have written, you know, from Jewish scholars, have written all kinds of papers on the idea of natural law, the idea of things that... I saw Rabbi Leitch had a paper a year or two ago or so in a recent tradition, I think, arguing for the idea of natural law in Judaism, the idea that certain things are, are prohibited, misvara, uh, that, that Seichel tells you that. That's what this fellow told the Duke, Ruticha, murder, Gzelo, Gneva, theft, robbery, oh no, fraud, znus. Znus already is something that, you know, opinions of natural law have changed on this. People today don't think znus should be criminalized, but Vavel, other types of fraud, Avel Midos, the frauds of weights and measures, Kulam, Dvaram, Shaseichel, Machayev, these are all things that one's own intellect should, should tell you are wrong, Vedin, Vedas, Vechok, Mishpat, Olal, Kulana, and certainly, the, these are things that uh, that that uh, just common sense and logic and basic uh, basic moral argument tells you should be kulkal mishpat if the justice underpins everything. If you don't if you don't have the as we say today, the rule of law, society's uh, uh, rule of law is crucial for a functioning society. And kulkal mishpat. If you don't have justice, if you don't have rule of law, then it becomes an anarchy. It becomes a free for all. So you see, the opening paragraph is I have no defense for this. So this is terrible. Im calls A, he says, Nira Lee, I do have some defense. He, he now kind of backtracks and says, I have a little bit of a defense. Let's say a Jew has a case against a Gentile. Whether the guy is the plaintiff or the defendant, but if the but if there's a if the case involves a Jew against a non-Jew in court. Certainly he shouldn't be giving the bribe. If the person knows he's telling the truth and he knows that his opponent is lying, he just does he may not have enough proof to convince a judge. But he knows what happened. He knows he lent the money, or he knows that he didn't that he didn't borrow the money, and the other guy is lying, and the other guy might be more credible in court. But you know that you're telling the truth, and you know that it's unfair for you to lose this case. So he says, you, you have at least some kind of justification. At least we, 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 it's an understandable thing that you might do, even if he doesn't approve of it, because he can't, he can't, he can't run the, he can't run a court system like that. He says, but on some level, we understand at least what your motivation is. You're not such a scoundrel. That's the first point. The first point is that even though the law, the halacha, the basic moral, basic moral considerations have to prohibit shochad. That's true. Shochad is not really acceptable. But at the end of the day, if someone pays Shochad just because he doesn't want to lose a case which he's entitled to win, he's not such a Russia for doing it, we can at least, it's at least understandable why somebody would do such a thing. Yes, he's going to get into that. Let's read a little bit further. He's, the, the Duke is going to challenge him about the different scenarios. Yeah, so he, he's going to... He's saying this, this is Jewish money lenders not getting their money back. From right, or, or the reverse, where the guy is uh, suing... Well, in this paragraph we just read, first he says, Shall they, oh, he says the next case is, or the non-Jew is suing the Jew for, for money that the, the Jew did not actually owe him. So that's just the same case in the oh, reverse. Oh, I'm sorry, okay, yeah, so it is both sides. All right. right, so in these particular cases where the Jew knows he's telling the truth, or he knows the Gentile is lying, in those cases... That's the first point. Second point, he says, is Shainus... It, it's defensive shochet, not offensive shochet. I don't want. I don't want you to. I don't want to 
I don't want to pull you in my direction unfairly. I just think kolachad misyare and chaverinos and shochad. Each one, it's an arms race. Each one thinks the other guy is uh, is paying shochad, and to at least keep a fighting chance, I have to pay shochad too. So it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy. One I don't, again, I don't know how it started like this, but once uh, once there's a culture of shochad, each guy feels. You can't even, uh, you know, like in some countries, even today, are so corrupt. You know, you can't even can't even do business fairly if you don't pay some level. If you don't grease the wheels of the officials by some level of shochad, you're not even going to get what you're basically entitled to. Or in this case, the other guy's paying shochad. He says, so the other guy's going to going to have shochad unfairly. Each one of them would be perfectly happy if they could reach a, a non-aggression pact. That each one knew the other guy wouldn't pay the shochad. Each one would be very happy not to pay the shochad and to let the judge decide fairly. Each one, everyone does it just because they think that uh, they can't be left out. You're fair of uh, being the one out who doesn't pay. But, but but that's all they want to do. They don't actually want to corrupt the din. They just want to preserve their preserve their uh, balance out the other guy's shochad. Shlishis, which is a similar argument but with a, with a different twist. Ba'asher kol shochad nesar. When the Torah prohibits shochad, shochad does the, the Gemara says you don't need a prohibition of shochad that you shouldn't pay shochad for the guy to to, to corrupt you and to uh, and to and, and to take the and, and, to, and to win the case unfairly. Raki says the, the shochad the Talmud prohibits. Is the shochad that you're paying him to rule honestly? But even that is a problem. The context here: we're, we're studying about we're studying a tshuva from the Chavos Yar, 17th century, about the whether it's legitimate to bribe a non-Jewish judge. Most halachas in the Torah are limited to Jews. Certain halachas like theft and, and basic uh, basic civil fairness do apply to non-Jews as well as Jews. You can't cheat them, and they shouldn't be cheating each other, and you shouldn't be. Enabling him to help you cheat another another person, whether the other person is a Jew or not. So the question was whether prohibition of shochad applies to non-Jews. So we're in the middle of the story here. The Chavasyar tells that Chavasyar had a brother-in-law. His brother-in-law of Itzik was friendly with Duke Karl Ludwig. A lot of German aristocrats by that name. So not sure exactly who he was, but uh, Rav Itzik of Brillen, Itzik Brillen of Mannheim, was friendly with Duke Karl Ludwig. They used to schmooze. So the Duke uh, was very unhappy one day. He complained bitterly to Rav Itzik that you Jews, he said, it's bad enough that you're quarrelsome and you're constantly uh, constantly showing up in my courts to uh, fighting each other. He said, not only that, but, but you're corrupt and you're corrupting my whole system because your people are constantly bribing my judges and my gen- you're, you're destroying my whole judicial system. And you as the rabbi, the rabbi then had power. He didn't just have... Uh, just have moral authority. The rabbi had uh, had some level of uh, authority backed by force. He says it's your job as the rabbi to enforce to stop this, put a stop to this, punish these people. Uh, what's going on here? So Rabbi Itzik was now trying to defend. He, he begins by admitting there's no defense for it. It's you know these are scoundrels and it's absolutely wrong and, and he's not condoning it in any manner, shape, or form. Then he, he subsequently he does try to condone it a little bit. He doesn't condone it, but he just tries to defend them. And it's understandable if not right. So his first argument was that. That they, they they bribe in a case where the other guy's lying, and they they know they don't have proof, but they're going to lose the case simply for lack of evidence. So they bribe to just win because they know they're entitled to the money. Second argument was the the it's, it's uh, the bribes are defensive. Each one thinks the other guy's bribing, so they just bribe to preserve their to just maintain a level playing field. 
And the third argument, the one we're up to now, Rabitzik told the Duke, he says that the, the Karnashach that the Torah prohibits is even to do emes, because the Afilulish put emes, because Shochad is a Kruve Datil Tatanosein. Shochad, even if you don't ask for, 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 for actual corruption, even if you simply you, you give them the money and you say, I just want you to do the right thing and I'm just grateful for your services, even that's a problem because the mere fact that one party is giving something of value to the judge itself creates a predisposition in the mind of the judge toward that one person. Even, even, and even if the judge won't deliberately throw the case, uh, the, the Torah prohibits that as Shochad. The mere fact that uh, that you have received something of value itself will create a bias and uh, something insidious. That's why the Torah uses language. Shochad blinds. doesn't mean Shochad uh, tempts you to consciously do wrong. I mean, Shochad simply blinds your, your mind's eye, so to speak. It blinds your... It blinds your intellect, it warps it, it makes it, it makes it difficult or impossible for you to adjudicate the matter fairly. So, and and again, if they, if they were both giving the the same amount of money, it wouldn't be a problem. But now he gets into a uh, another argument. He says, It is well known, he said, this is a popular um, saying, I'm not sure where it starts from in Judaism, but he says, there's a there's a well-known uh, aphorism, Ein sin like sin hadas. There is no hatred like the hatred of religion, like the hatred of members of one religion for the hatred. You know, this was written in, I guess, in, again, in 17th century Europe. I don't have my years exactly straight, but they had you know, a century of bloodbaths by the Protestants and the Catholics and vice versa. I mean, the, as Jews, we, we know what this is all about. As Jews, we know Esau, Son, and Yaakov. We've been suffering this for years. The Shiites and the, and the Sunnis are slaughtering each other wholesale. You know, no religion is exempt from this. The Hindus do this. And, you know, so the ancient Kisina Sadas, this was a, uh, there was no hatred like the hatred uh, that, that, that's born of religion. So he says, There's a natural bond of sympathy, of, of uh, mutual affection to co-religionists of the same religion. Um, their brothers, their friends, the religion makes you, gives you a sense of community and of uh, friendship. If one of the German judges has a Jewish litigant against a non-Jewish litigant, against a Christian, a good Christian German litigant, there's no question that a Jew will have sympathies with his German Christian co-religionist, and he will have, you know, he puts it delicately, but negative feelings toward the Jew. He's going to immediately assume that the Jew is lying and the Jew is uh, engaging in sharp practice. The Jew is trying to Jew him, as the expression goes. Anytime the Jew knows that he has a court case against a, a Christian, against a Gentile German, so built in is, a, is an automatic uh, deep bias I mean, on, on the part of the judge against him. He said, all he's trying to do again is to overcome that, is to is to level again the playing field. All he's trying to do is by handing him an envelope full of cash, he's simply trying to uh, balance that out and and get back to a sense of fairness. This was these were of Itzik's three points he made to the Duke. As I mentioned earlier, we don't know exactly how seriously he meant all these arguments. He was, he was trying to defend the Jewish religion to a powerful 
German acquaintance of his. It's hard to know how much of this was apologetics and how much he really meant. Lalach and the found this interesting enough to record it, several hundred words of their dialogue, either because he did feel it had some weight, Lahalacha, or because he found it just interesting, but the Chavaz records all this. And then the, and then the Rebitzah concludes, Af again, Khalil Lomar, I'm not saying this is legitimate, let's not tell I'm not saying that they're allowed to do this, I'm not condoning this, he said, Rakafsher, I did as a rationalization, as a, you can understand what their motive is. They're not you know, out and out crooks, but you understand what, what their thought process is. At least that much, like as far as Paduyos, these kind of uh, twisted crumb logic. You know, they just empathize with them. This, this is what they're thinking, even if it's not you know, morally legitimate. The Yashru Divregisi Hanal Beni Haduchas. The Duke approved of what Ravitzik had said. He said, you know, you're, you speak well. Veheshev. Your, your last argument in particular has to do with a Jew against a Christian. What are you going to do when there's two Jews who are in my court? Jews should not be in court in the first place. They should be in Mason. But when they, when they were in court, apparently, then that what happens. The, the, the judge hates both of them equally. Or just, so then, then what's your excuse in that case? So my brother-in-law said, You have to say the other argument. It's, it's an arms race. It's a defensive shochad, one against the other. And uh, Cole attacking a mishpat, and everyone thinks the other one's going to do it, and it's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. So the final line, the, the, the final line in this argument goes to the Duke. Lachavas says, "V'haduchas sachak." He left. V'amar chaston milech. You're a smooth talker. You you talk well. You you speak well. He says, "Im kiyadati." You know, I know perfectly well. He says, "Shari truth from lonin aluhein be'emes hein b'shaker." There's always going to be an answer. You're always going to have something to say. But at the end of the day, basically, his point was, to me and you, the this is wrong. Your people are doing wrong. He says, "You know, you're you're clever. You have you have uh, you, you have a clever and uh, logical arguments." But at the end of the day, the, the the moral problem remains: why are your people doing this? Why are your people uh, bribing my judges? That that was the end of the conversation. Hard to know. The, 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 this is the first uh, two-thirds of the Shuvah, so to speak. The Chavaz now, he says, Adkan This was the end of their discussion. He says now, he says, You want to know what is my halachic analysis? The rest of the Shuvah is the Chavaz own halachic opinion, some of which is going to touch on some of the same points. But yeah, why he records this, is there any, right, your question, is there any lesson to be learned? The Chavaz just finds this an amusing conversation. And, uh, I'm not sure. Um, right, he himself said this, that that was not Dintara, that was simply the, the kind of logical, just uh, intellectual argument between two, uh, two, two, two leaders of their respective communities. Uh, just, just to cover, we have a few minutes left, just, just to cover what the Chavaz himself feels about this topic. So his position also is nuanced, and is, is, it echoes somewhat of Rav Itzik's position. He says, there is no question, he says, that to bribe a non-Jewish judge to throw a case in your direction, to give you money that you're not entitled to, to cheat, to, to steal, no question that's Austria, he says. First of all, even forget the bribery, he says. You're, you're, you're stealing. Any money that's awarded to you improperly is simply theft, whether you, whether you stole it by fraud, whether you stole it by armed robbery, whether you stole it by judicial corruption. If you're stealing money via bribery, then certainly the bribery is Austria. It's Austria for a number of reasons. It's Austria for three reasons, he says. It's Austria because you're being... You're stealing, theft. It's also because you're being matem mishpat. Judicial perversion itself is a prohibition. Perverting the din with, with, with or without money changing hands is a prohibition of low satem mishpat. And third, it's bribery. Then there's no question. That's also for numerous reasons. He says, 
However, the, the other question, though, question, the question of shochet, when you're actually right, just the other guy's cheating you, he says, and you just don't have proof, for example. In that case, he actually is, he actually thinks it would be, it would be allowed. He says, now, Lamaisa, the judge shouldn't accept it, because he doesn't know if you're, even if you know you're telling the truth, he doesn't know if you're telling the truth. He still shouldn't be, he still shouldn't be accepting it. So he says, for Jews, that, that's prohibited, because the Torah wrote, Losikachachah, that's a separate prohibition, that the, the Torah prohibits shalchan. You aren't really stealing. You aren't really doing anything wrong objectively. You're simply, you're simply preserving your right to money that you're really entitled to, that, that money that's legitimately yours. Nevertheless, the Torah does prohibit that kind of shalchan. And the, and, but as long as the Torah doesn't prohibit it, for example, in the context of non-Jews, he thinks that could be allowed. He goes even further, and he says that there are many cases where there is no black and white answer. He says cases that don't involve out-and-out theft, like most of halacha, cases involved that, that where there are legitimately two sides to an issue, where, where a court can... Uh, I just heard uh, an interview or a talk Justice Roberts gave, where he said, he, he was complaining, he said, you know, the media, Chief Justice Roberts, the media makes everything seem, they, they highlight the most controversial stuff, they highlight where everyone has strong political opinions, he says, a lot of what we do, he says, there, the case gets to us, there are, there are two reasonable people who can disagree, there are, there, it's an interesting statutory question, how to interpret a law, there, 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 are, there are serious issues here, obviously, something gets to the Supreme Court that usually means there's a circuit split, that usually means some of the best lawyers in the country are making good cases on both sides, so the... So he says, you know, he says, and much of Torah is like that too. And much, much of civil law, he says, is not uh, not dealing with fraud or with cases of out and out uh, dishonesty. We're dealing with cases where where reasonable people can see both sides. So he says, in all these cases, where you're not outright stealing, where where so if you would pay a bribe in these cases, the chavasiyar tries to argue again to to ask him to to not judge fairly, to simply decide in your favor regardless of the merits. That's again, that's theft, that's improper, that's perverting the din. But simply offering the judge money, even if that's going to result in the judge being more sympathetic to you, he seems to feel that's okay. I never really understood that, because even if we accept, uh, I, I once called this, uh, I once called the Chavis Yar's position, especially he says the difference between Torah law and non-Jewish law. Torah law, we believe, is the word of God, that there's, a, there's an emiss out there, there's, there's God's will. He says, human law, he says, there, there is no objective right or wrong. The law is whatever the Supreme Court says it is. You know, there is no, uh, I, I, I once said this sounds to me like, like legal positivism, where the law is simply created by judges, and there is no kind of objective, objective truth the judges are trying to discover. And uh, you know, more and more in the 20th century, 21st century, uh, the intelligentsia have increasingly moved away from notions of objective truth and moved much more toward truth as a social construction, but you know, I don't want to read, you know, read too much theory into this Chavas Yar, but he makes, uh, he gets very close to that with regard to non-Torah law. His language is that his language is that Mishpatah Hashem, he says, are chayos heina, they don't depend on Seichel HaAnushi, they're, they're simply the word of God. There he says you have to get the objectively right answer, and if you don't that's a big problem, so Amela, he says any bribe is a problem. He says but when it comes to other laws where there is no objectively necessarily right or wrong, it's simply a question of the life of the law's experience and pragmatism and about what's more effective and what's the... where there is no, there is no clear and objective and well-defined right or wrong, 
So you, you can't speak as much about the judge is going to get the wrong answer if you bribe him. Now, the problem I think that would bother all of us is that even if we accept, even if we were to accept uh, the modern view that there is no, the Chavis view, there is no objectively right or wrong answer in a court case. But the process still has to have integrity. The, 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 whatever the judge decides is legitimate, assuming the process was legitimate. If you've given him a bribe, you would think that taints the whole process, and that uh, rega- even even if the position he comes out is one that many reasonable people think is correct, and half the lawyers and the, the, will come out on that side, the mere fact that he's tainted by the fact that you gave him a bribe and, and that he's sympathetic to you is uh, taints the whole process. The Chavazera surprisingly doesn't seem to think that that's uh, that that's such a big deal. So his bottom line, the position he ends up with is. That again, the, the same basic kind of du- uh, duality or, or tripartite distinction. He says, asking the judge to out and out corrupt the din, to throw something your way when you're not entitled to it, or to arbitrarily decide in your favor, irrespective of the law, is uh, out and out usur. He says it's hate kafal mashulash, it's theft, it's perversion of the din, it's shochad, out of the question, nothing to talk about. He says, however, on the other hand, he says, asking the judge, you know, bribing the judge simply to, to secure your rights and to, uh, and to, and to stop, him from, stop him from cheating, to stop the other litigant from cheating you, that he's inclined to believe. Not with regard to two Jews. With regard to two Jews, that's Shochad itself is prohibited. And the reason is because, again, the judge doesn't know who the right, who the right is with, so if you, once you allow this, the system can, can be corrupted. With regard to non-Jews, though, he seems to feel that that is not, that, that, that if that's not your intention, or certainly if you explicitly bribe in such a way, you tell the judge, I'm not asking for, I'm not asking for, uh, for arbitrary favors, I'm not asking you to cheat, I'm not asking you not to do your job, I'm just bribing you anyway, just because I want to be friendly with you, and I'm hoping that you'll end up in a position favorable to me, I'm hoping to get you know, more consideration on my side, we, as Westerners, certainly without question, would consider that uh, a complete perversion of justice. But that, the Chavis Yar, perhaps remarkably, is not, not really opposed to that. He says, There's no clear, clear-cut theft. There's no outright uh, right or wrong. Like Shomrim, he says, the laws of Bailey's, Rovdin Imamunus. Shochet would be permitted, he says, because even if the Dayan ends up one way, there's nothing wrong. Wherever the dying ends up, that, that's the law. The law is simply whatever he says, as long as he arrives at that through a legitimate legal process. And the, 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 this whole question, obviously, about whether the law has objective right or wrong is kind of along the fault lines of you know, the conservative originalist positions and the, and the liberal uh, and some of the other positions. It's an oversimplification, obviously, but conservatives at least profess to believe that there is a kind of objective right and wrong, what the words mean in the job of the judge, and in, in Justice Roberts' fav- famous words again from his confirmation hearing, the umpire calling balls and strikes. He's supposed to be identifying while other schools of thought you know, refuse to accept that there's any kind of uh, scientific, objective meaning. They say that the judge's job is to decide what's, what's right by some standard of fairness or what to equity. Or so, so, you know, equity has a specific meaning in law, but we're not talking about that. But, but uh, there definitely are schools of thought who believe that the job of the judge is just to, when people praise Brown versus Board of Education, it's not usually on the grounds that it's uh, brilliant legal analysis. It's because they were bold and did something that society needed and helped solve a problem that had been plaguing the country for a couple of centuries. It was more along those lines than along the lines of brilliant uh, legal analysis. So Chavisyar is kind of making this point that the that judicial process in non-Torah, in non-Torah contexts simply means making a good faith effort to arrive at a good conclusion the, the chiddush of what he's saying is that that, that includes even, uh, even if bribes are involved, it doesn't matter as long as the basic process he's going through is still a legitimate legal process 
which is something that always struck me as uh, as, as as problematic. The, if you're bribing him, the, the process itself is problematic, even if the ultimate legal reasoning is a legitimate one of several options. But nevertheless, the Chavar is not sure. Lamaisa, many of po- the posts are split on this. Many other posts can fill that the law of Shochet does not apply at all to non-Jews. Again, you can't steal, but some posts can say it absolutely does, and all Shochet is prohibited. I quoted the Lashner of the Urim Vatum, Yonas and Ipshitz, he says, Lohela HaRav Zal Davar Bar. The Chavaziar goes back and forth, doesn't have an absolutely clear ruling. Ha'olam Nogin Heter, B'Sham Kadmonius. Like you mentioned before, Jewish custom has been to be leaning to this, some of that was survival, and... Uh, he has his own explanation, but as, as a matter of halacha, the other Akronim are split on this question, whether the technical lav of Shochat, putting aside the question of Zayla and so on, and Mata Mishpat, whether the technical lav of Shochat applies to non-Jews or not, applies to a non-Jew accepting a bribe, and therefore whether Lufnaiver prevents me from giving him that bribe or not. And again, questions of Chil Hashem, certainly if you're going to be on the, get caught, and it's a Chil Hashem, obviously you can't do it, then it may backfire on you, you get thrown in jail, so it's not recommended in many cases, but again, some countries, that's more common. You know, some of the South American countries, Turkey, you know, the, it is much more common apparently. So major, major U.S. corporations, you know, until pretty recently considered bribing in some countries as a part of the cost of doing business. And that's the question whether halakhically this would be allowable or not.